0: Let's turn to Psalm 43. I always love to find <clears throat> New Testament theology in the Old Testament, you know? So, uh, you know, anytime I can, I like to start uh, with the Old Testament, if I, if I can uh, any way do it, and, um, and today I want to be able to do that. The Psalms, you already know if you know me for five minutes, uh, hold a really special place, in my own heart and life. Uh, and I hope that, that you come to love the Psalms as well in your own life. It teaches us to pray, honestly. These are prayers. These are songs. These are from the heart. It's the one book in the Bible, just to give it a little plug here. It's the one book in the Bible where we get a from humanity to God rather than God to humanity for the most part. So, uh, really, really cries of the heart. ...cries from the depth. Notice these words here... ...and then I want to share a couple truths... ...that we've already sung about... ...even this morning. Notice this in in, uh, Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God... ...and defend my cause... ...against an ungodly people... ...from the deceitful and unjust man... ...deliver me... ...for you are the God in whom... ...I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God. Why are you cast down... O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy word. May it be today from the author, the Holy Spirit, a word for us, we pray in your name, amen. Over the next few weeks, as I started even last week, <clears throat> I just wasn't feeling well enough to do an artwork for it, uh, are going to be doing a series on the Easter effects. And we're going to be looking at what all Easter does in fact effect, which we could look at for the rest of our life, but... We're going to limit it down to just to Pentecost, all right? So as we're moving to the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter, after he's risen from the dead, we're going to be looking at the effects of Easter. So let me just start like this. What has Easter effected? Well, the proper answer is everything. And yet, we still live in a broken world. We still live in a broken body with broken things. Life goes on, and even for the earliest disciples, life went on quite poorly for them sometimes. So even though Easter affects all things, everything, sometimes it's very difficult to see it affecting my current situation. Anybody feel me on that? I mean, last week, well, weekend, you know, the boys, you noticed, weren't here, and neither was Jessica, and I was trying to save my voice, and all four of them came down with the flu, all four boys. Jessica already had mycoplasma, which I had to look up several times. And I was coughing my brains up, I believe. I may have lost some knowledge last week in all of that. And then I came down with... I of all things, um, this week. And then, if that's not bad, I was not getting sleep well. I don't know if it's the antibiotics that are flowing through me or what. Somebody else that's more more brilliant than I am on that would have to tell me. But I've not been able to sleep just kind of like staying awake, you know, so I just pray as much as I can and look up at the ceiling. And uh, last night, same thing, you know, go to bed, 1230, and... uh just lying there to about 1.30, and I wake up at 2, and you know how, you know how some of those nights are. And uh, then I wake up at 3, and I hear just this interesting noise, you know, kind of doing this number. I'm like, it's weird. What? And Jessica wakes up. we both, like, walking around our room like, what in the world is that? Of course, it's raining outside and whatnot, and it's like, well, maybe there's just... So, so anyway, we try to go back to bed and, and uh, sitting there, and the next thing I know, Drip, drip on my pillow. <laughs> uh, apparently we've also got a broken house and not just a broken body and, you know, family people sick and all, but but uh, literally on my pillow, uh, I should have got a picture of it but uh, up here for you, but on my pillow our ceiling is dripping um, water straight down, so I go get a pan of all things, you know, <laughs> cooking pan, tink, 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 so I go sleep in the chair the rest of the night. Um, and so, yeah, we got to figure that out. You ever have days like that? Weeks like that? Months like that? Years like that? Seems like it's not just your year or your day or your week. Doesn't really feel like Easter's changed much. What do we do with that? We wait. <laughs> we just sang about it, didn't we? It's in the waiting. Man, anybody like waiting? Yikes. Waiting is the worst, isn't it? I was in the car the other day with Jessica and I just—I didn't want to wait at all at the stoplight. I mean, the stoplight didn't give me the turn. I was in the turn lane. I know the magnetic strip saw me and yet it didn't give me the turn signal. I was like, oh, I started freaking out. I'm like, I got to get in the road here. I got to go around this person. I got to figure out a way to go. I can't just stay here. And She's like, just wait. And of course, it was one of them ones that it's the last thing that goes is the turn signals. Who thinks of something like that anyway? <laughs> waiting. Waiting is awful. Nobody really likes waiting. Um, kind of reminds me of back when, we, when I pastored at Kruger uh, Independent Methodist Church way out in the delta of Mississippi. Uh, I, was on, I was a little late. We were a little late that day to church. Um. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm behind this car, and I'm like, it's the two-lane road, you know, and I finally get a chance to pass them. And, I mean, I'm kind of wanting to let them know, like, why are you going under the speed limit? I, you know, under the speed limit. What, I don't even understand how that works. I, that, something should be illegal about that, right? Surely. But under, under the speed limit. So I'm like riding, you know, come around, boom, whip around him and, and I'm like, you know, boom, blow out of there, you know, finally get to church only to have them pull in behind us. (laughs) Mind you, there's about 15 people that go to the church, all right? There's no hiding from this. It was Miss Francis, you remember? that? (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those days. Easter should affect everything, and yet, man, some days it just doesn't affect anything, it seems like. Some days we're just at a complete loss, and... And we're told to wait and waiting is tough. And how do we do that? And what does it even mean to wait? Well, thankfully, the psalmist knows a little bit about waiting. And in particular here, David writes this and apparently he's in trouble. And and many scholars actually think this is the time where he got really sick and he's going to die or something like this. And he cries out to the Lord. And I know a little bit about that really do. You know a little bit about that. We've all had our bodies break down on us... ...and we don't feel like Easter made any difference. We feel like somehow magically everything overnight should change... ...and it simply doesn't. But brothers and sisters, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Today, we need to do what he does. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul... This is an instance where it's okay to talk to yourself. He does. Say to yourself, why are you downcast? Allow someone else to say to you, remember, we're waiting in one day. One day there will be a final day. And all the wrongs will be made right. This is not... A pipe dream, it's not fake, it's real. How do we know that? Because the tomb was empty. Because people encountered the risen Lord in a transformed body. I need one of those. No, we wait in hope. That's how we wait. That's what we're called to do. And apparently the psalmist here was waiting in hope before it was in. You know what I mean? He doesn't even have resurrection proof. The Messiah has not come yet. And yet he's waiting. Notice what he says. He says, look, why are you downcast my soul? Why is there turmoil within me? Have you ever felt that? I've felt that. Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him. Yes. My salvation and my God. Notice the future tense, right? Yes. This is in the future. We're going to have to wait. When we meet Jesus, it's kind of one of these things where we hurry up and wait. What does Easter affect in our waiting? ...in our hope. Well, here's the thing. We're sort of left with nothing. When you look in the tomb... ...nobody's there. And you could say it's an argument from silence... ...that he rose from the dead... ...but he appeared to many. And not only that... ...John actually tells us... ...there was something that he left behind. It wasn't his body. It was actually a napkin. In John 20, it says that his... He uh, his linen was there. We're not told exactly what it was looked like. But then the napkin that would have covered his face was folded. And from what we know of that time period, normally a master, if they had left the table, they would fold their napkin if they were coming back. If not, they would just crumple it up. Kind of like, you know... If you're at a restaurant or something, you don't don't put your napkin in the plate of food. If you're going to just go to the restroom, you've got to put it beside it, right? Because you're going to come back. Why do you leave a folded napkin? Like Reagan just told us. Because he's coming back. Jesus is going To come back. Just as He came, He will come back for us. He's not going to leave us orphans. He's not going to leave us in this broken world or this broken body with broken things. We stay here now waiting. But we wait in the hope that He is going to come back. He's told us as much. His second advent. His second coming. You know, at funerals, you want to give people closure. I mean, you don't want to give them false hope that they're going to show up at the house when they get back. It'll be okay. I'm sure you will show up in a couple weeks. That'd be a terrible thing to say at a funeral. <laughs> and terrifying, yes. It's funny because all the, all the uh, pagan religions, they're always concerned about the ancestors coming back, you know. Well... Jesus, he's resurrected. He's not resuscitated, but resurrected forevermore. He takes his body and the early Christians, the earliest Christians we know about, they're not having a funeral. It's not a missing persons case. They know exactly where he is and we're told ...where He is. And that is at the Father's right hand. Even now He's praying for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when we were praying right here... ...earlier... ...that Jesus Himself... ...in a body... ...a transformed body... ...is praying with us. And He sends His Spirit... ...to pray in us... ...and for us. And He says when you don't know what to pray. And often, I don't know what to pray. The Spirit makes intercession for us to the Father because the Bible says in Romans 8 that He knows the Father's heart. He knows the Father's will. And He can line our will to His. Our job is to be like Jesus... And be obedient. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. Obedience isn't always fun. It's not always exhilarating. You know, for years and years, I I asked Jessica the other night, I said, what have you really waited for in your life, you know? Like something you just waited a long time for, you know? And hers was the same as mine, actually, getting married, you know? Wait a long time to get married. I mean, it was, how old was it, 24, 5, something like that? Anyway, felt like a lifetime, right? <laughs> and now we've been married. She said, also kids. <clears throat> you know, I mean, when you're young, you dream about these things. You have, you have to wait for, I mean, you know, just like little Baylor's age right here. I mean, he has to wait a long time for certain things to drive. To move out and all this, get married, have kids, get a job. And we wait and wait, and we sometimes build up an unnecessary expectation, don't we? One that we, we think it is gonna fix us, right? But notice the song with the song it's in the waiting that He changes us. These marriage, kids, jobs, ...money, they don't save us. They don't. Jesus saves us. But he saves us the best, if you will. He makes us most holy while we're waiting. And that's just tough. But you know what? Waiting's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's weird. I mean, nobody likes a waiting room... Doctor's offices are notorious for this, and so is the DMV, right? They say there's, you know, two things in life that are sure, right? Death and taxes. Welcome to April 15, right? But there's also another thing that's sure, just as sure as death and taxes. That is... Resurrection. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. Now for some of us, it's not even a need for it. We're like, I don't have a need for resurrection. I'm enjoying my life quite well. That's the danger, friends. That's really the danger. The enemy would love nothing more than to coddle you in his arms. Say, hey, you've got it made. You got a job. You got a family. You're doing well. You're doing well. And carry you straight down with him. Don't believe the lie. Don't allow the world to confuse you from what we really need, and that is resurrection life. It's what he came to do, it's his remedy for our problem. He wants to bring heaven down. It's not about some heavenly place that we're just waiting for and one day we'll get to heaven. It's now He wants to bring heaven down. Right now we are to be living under the rulership of Jesus Christ, the risen, resurrected Lord. Now my life should be lived Under his kingdom. In his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. The secret plan is he wants to bring heaven down. We're not waiting for heaven. Heaven can come here now. Is that not good? I need that kind of good news. Even in the midst of suffering, confusion, doubt. The earliest Christians, it's it's crazy. You you read the stories, and I've been rereading a couple passages. And they're confident enough in their faith that they can say some of them even doubted. Even at The ascension. They doubt it. I mean, if you saw the ascension, you'd think, man. But that's how we always, we're like, man, if I would have saw the ten plagues, boom. It's not true. We always act like something else is proof enough. Jesus is proof enough. Amen. You ha- you know, I don't know how else to say, you have to meet the risen Lord. Two things are what Easter affects the most and where it comes from, that is the empty tomb in the encounter with Jesus. There's an empty tomb to this day. We're left, in a sense, with nobody, nobody there. But also we can encounter that somebody, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. I can. You can. And you know what? He can heal our sin. The hell that is within us, the darkness that abides, He can bring His light. Even in the longest of nights, and last night, you know, honestly wasn't one of the longest nights, one of the longest nights I've ever had, I think, was camping with Justin on the AT. It was cold. It was a bad thunderstorm. Every time it, lightning you know, struck, it lit up like daytime, and we just both kind of looked at each other like, all right, next one's probably going to kill us, you know. <laughs> and it would roar. When, and you know, so it would light up, then you'd just hear this roar down this ravine. It was unforgettable. The night just seemed to go on forever. It's like, is it ever going to break dawn? Ever are we going to see any light? You're just miserable lying there. I'm not particularly fond of lying on the ground anyway. Much less in a tent in a storm. I was thinking about that and you know what? S- some of you, be honest. Just, I mean, why not be honest right now with God? Some of us are in a long night. A long, dark night. It just seems to keep raining. It doesn't need to be raining on stuff, but it is. And when it rains, it pours. And we've all felt that. You just feel like, I I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. I don't think I can. And maybe some of you have just given up hope altogether. You've lost the hope of Jesus. But I'm telling you today, the dawn is breaking. The light is already shining. And soon it'll be full day. 1 Thessalonians tells us he's coming back. Paul says, you don't need me to write about this, but he's coming back. We don't know when. I mean, the early Christians in in Corinth, it's so funny. I was teaching about the Corinthians uh, this past week. It's funny, but it's not funny kind of thing. They thought he was coming back within a couple weeks. They had quit their job. I mean, if Jesus comes back, man, I'm not, why would I be at work? This is stupid. He's coming back. Paul says, Hang, hold your horses there. We work until he comes. And we're going to have to wait. Let's just accept it. Let's take that pill. We wait. Jesus waited. He waited 30 years to start his ministry. Moses waited 80 years to start his ministry. Are you waiting? Better question. Are you waiting in the hope of Jesus? Our world needs hope. My world needs hope. I need you reminding me to hope in God. And I also need to remind myself like the psalmist. Soul, why are you so downcast? Because you don't want to become this black hole of darkness. There is a final day. And on that day, the sun will shine and it will never stop. It'll never be night again. All the wrongs, all of the evils. We're, We're, you know, we're so, I'm so easy to just throw away people. Yeah, they need to be punished. They need to, I'm one that escaped by the grace of God. Do you see what I'm saying? I escaped by His grace. The, re- the reason He's hidden to this day is because of His grace for us and for others. The bomb didn't fall on me. We just... We're so easy to judge... But the Bible says. Beware how you judge because that's how you're going to be judged. Man, I'm going I mean, if you really believe that you're going to start judging people pretty, pretty rightly. Pretty lightly. Just try to give them the benefit of the doubt, man. We've all had those long nights. We get cranky. We're in this rickety body. Sometimes it gets the best of us. Sometimes we need our brothers and sisters around us saying, I just want to encourage your soul, man. You know, I've been really praying for you. How many of us really carry one another in our bodies? I know I was carried this week by a couple people, and I'm, I'm telling you, it means a lot to me. That people would stop their life and use their life to pray for my life. Isn't that what God did? If we're followers of Jesus, isn't that what he he gave his life for others? I want to do that. I want to follow Jesus. Don't you want to follow Jesus? That's the way you do it is giving your life for others. And what a beautiful thing that is. Yeah, we can be down in the dumps and down on ourselves and all that. But is that gonna has that ever helped you? <laughs> I mean, like, you're probably old enough to know that doesn't really help at the end of the day. Man, we need hope, don't we? We need Jesus' hope, and we need to remind each other of the hope. And we need to remind ourselves sometimes. Soul, you need to hope in God. Because He has overcome death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. There's two types of Christians. Those that are asleep, which means they're dead. Remember that discussion he had with his disciples? Uh, he, he goes, Lazarus had died. You know, he got a report that Lazarus was dead. And he goes, uh, uh, he's asleep. And they said, um, if he's asleep, why can't they just wake him up? Why do we have to go all the way down there? He's like, he's dead, guys. But I'm using this to tell you that those who die in faith are just sleeping because they're going to get up again to new life forever. Sometimes I'm looking forward to that sleep, you know what I mean? So on those long nights. It's like Paul, he says, look, <laughs> to live as Christ, to die as game, baby. I'd want to just go on. But for your sake, I'm going to stay around. Notice, for your sake. Are we living for ourselves? or are we living for others? I want to live for other people. And I don't always know what that means or what it looks like. But following Jesus is the only way to find out. Let his light start shining. You say, I'm too far behind. I don't even know that I can see him anymore. Well, you know what? There's some people in here that you can follow and they'll lead you to him. If he's that far from you, I guarantee there are some people. I'll be the first to direct you to them if you want to come to me. You say, I need help finding Jesus in my life. Somehow I've lost my way. Somehow the darkness has surrounded me. The fog has come into my life. And I can't see anything anymore. That would, man, what kind of honest prayer would that be? We just, you know, we just don't hardly see that kind of stuff in our nice Christianity anymore. And I I just, we should lament that. I'll be first to say, I need help. Jessica knows best, it's hardest to live out the faith at home. But if we can't do it there, we're faking the rest. Justice is coming, but it's a good justice. He's going to make all things right. Somehow he's going to do that. And that is our hope, friends. My other grandpa on my mom's side. Godly man. Very patient man. <laughs> we ran four-wheelers one day, like just dogging him out. And he finally came out. This the only time I've ever gotten in trouble by him. But buddy, just the few words that he used, I would never do that again. Kind of still speaks fear into my life now. Very patient man. And today, he doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> or who my mom is. He was a preacher. He served God. He loved God. man. But his body broke down. He's got Alzheimer's. He's He acts honestly about like Blakely. And when you know when I'm around him, it's tough. He's just playing with little things like a child would. But I have hope, and so does he. He doesn't even know he has hope anymore. Man, these antibiotics are doing something to me. Papa has real hope. And he's passed that down to his family. Oh, man. I just I want to share that hope with you. I don't know what else to say today, but... (sighs) Waiting has to do with hoping in Jesus Christ. It has to do with, like what I said last week, with a long game. (laughs) It looks impossible, you know? It really does. It looks impossible. You may not be able to see a way out, but... I'm telling you, I don't I don't even I don't know, I don't know, but he does. And um, I just ask you to go to him today. Um, it's not really the way I wanted to to end things, but somebody need to hear that. When that when that stuff was dripping on my pillow today and I had to get up, even though I was already not feeling well and needed sleep, Jessica said, Well, apparently you got something to say today. Somebody that wants you to hear it. Somebody to hear it. I hope you've heard this. We're going to wait. It's our lot. It's going to happen. You can wait in hope or you can wait in darkness. I hope that you'll turn to the east and see the light, see the light of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in this broken, evil world, hope remains. Hope remains. Because of Jesus Christ, and we don't have to wait. Here's the good thing: we don't have to wait for that hope. It can come in today. The light can shine today. No matter, we're all going to die. That's just—I mean, it's just going to happen. It's always happened. It's the only thing we know. But we don't have to die in vain. And we don't have to die twice, as the Bible says. We can die and then rise to new life. I need that. You need that. Let's remind each other of that. Let's remind other people of that. And let's remind ourselves of that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.